0: You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. Matthew, the 24th chapter, and beginning at verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one uh, one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Uh, today we will be sharing a lot of information. If you have access to Facebook, uh, links to this message will be posted on our Prevailing Word Ministries Facebook page and also the Minister's Crucible Facebook page and that is of course you do not have any access to uh, uh, YouTube where you can find our Prevailing Word live channel Uh, I want to talk about the coming Antichrist the coming of the Antichrist is going to happen but there are certain events that must come to pass in order to set up his arrival. The short clock started when Israel became a nation in 1948, May of 1948. In fact, Jesus alluded to when this would occur, We're here in the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 24. If you go down to verse 32, we will find where Jesus alluded to uh, the, uh, the short clock, which started on May of 1948. Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away and so uh, there are uh, a few things that must come to pass namely uh, the things jesus mentioned in uh, verses 1 uh, through 31. In these important verses, you will find that when they were showing Jesus the temple and how magnificent the building was, the Lord Jesus gave his disciples a gut punch, a punch that they weren't expecting. He told his disciples that there would not be one stone found on top of another. Now, the Lord Jesus was crucified. In A.D. 33. And so that means seven years. Excuse me, um, uh, 47 years later. Would be. Uh, 46, I'm sorry, 46 years later would be the time in which. uh, Around that time in which the temple would be destroyed in A.D. 70. So when the temple was destroyed. In fact, it happened in such a way that it was astounding. The Lord Jesus would use that as the timepiece for the remaining events. To this very day, the Temple Mount has on it from 630, 650 AD, somewhere in that vicinity, uh, the uh, Dome of the Rock, which the Muslims had built. And ever since the Temple Mount Remains a sore spot for the nation of Israel. Just recently, in just recently in reading from the Jerusalem Post and other newspapers, uh, news events online about the uh, the condition of the nation of Israel, we see that. Uh, that Jews are moving back into the homeland on a steady pace. Also, we see that the homes of the Palestinians are in the West Bank are being destroyed. And replacing those uh, houses with buildings or homes for the Israelis that are coming in to uh, assume residence. Needless to say that uh, the word of God is coming to pass without your permission. And the end times are setting up in such a way without our permission. And so we have to be Watchful of these events, lest we become uh, seriously taken away with other things. There's basically four uh, things that we need to look at. Number one, the missing piece of the puzzle is the temple on the temple mount. Two number two, there may be or may not be, a complete economic collapse, but there will be a collaboration of 10 major economic, military uh, 10 major economic and military powers that will make up the horror of Babylon which we see, starting in Revelation 17 and ending in Revelation 19. Three, there will be, number three, there will be a surrounding of Jerusalem called Armageddon. And number four, after the 1,000-year reign of Christ, there will be Gog and Magog. Now, there's been a lot of uh, interesting things said about Russia these days that when and I got I got caught up until when you look at people that are smarter than you, you know, tell you to calm down, you begin to say, oh, okay, all right. That that makes sense. That makes perfect, perfect biblical sense that when Russia invaded Ukraine, everybody, including myself, jumped on the bandwagon. Here we go with Gog and Magog is about to set up, but it really wasn't. Although I will say that the war in Ukraine is a piece, a twofold piece of the puzzle. Um, Then also a a couple of weeks ago, we saw how Russia was having a powwow with Iran and Turkey. And again, the biblical community, this time myself not included, begin to say, hey, Gog and Magog is, is setting up and not so fast. Let's just watch. Let's just watch this a little bit. Let's not jump off the handle with these events because these events must come to pass. But we have to understand something in order for you to bake a good cake. you Got to get all your ingredients together. So all of the ingredients are, are basically setting itself up. And, and so we know that from the book of Revelation, chapter 20, that the only time in the New Testament that Gog and Magog is ever mentioned is in Revelation, chapter 20. And so there is a great war that takes place, which is Armageddon, which is the surrounding of the cities which also includes the horror of Babylon being defeated. The Lord Jesus coming to set up his kingdom for a thousand year millennial reign. The beast and the false prophet in the battle of Armageddon will be thrown into the lake of fire. Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit and sealed and chained for a thousand years. And then after a thousand years, he will be loosed for a season to deceive the nations And then after the nations are subdued, he will be cast into the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone and Gog and Magog will no longer exist. These events are in the Bible. And the one dilemma is getting the chronological order correct. And so Jesus, in a nutshell, says basically one thing. Well, two things among three. Uh, two things will be included as three, however you want to look at it. He says to be ready. But he also says to watch and pray. And so those of us who have transitioned from false doctrine to watch the biblical events unfold are now beginning to see that God is setting up the end times and we need to watch and pray and to be ready. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour in which the Son of Man appears. And so. um, Even the Lord Jesus doesn't know when. Only the father knows when all these things will come to pass. In fact, go down to verse 36 in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, look at verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and another left. Now in reading these two verses of scripture, I thought that this was the rapture and it's not. This is a dividing of the sheep. That's all that is, is a dividing of the sheep. Verse 42, watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. So now we're told, watch and pray, but we also told are told, Therefore, be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, of course, Jesus said, watch and pray in the book of Matthew, chapter 26 and verse 41 He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so in that setting, when Jesus was praying, he was upset of the fact that the disciples fell asleep. And he likened it to the people in the body that also would fall asleep and not pay attention to the signs of the times that are portraying even at this hour. We avoid what we don't understand. But when we set our hearts to search, the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. In fact, go to John chapter 13, uh, John chapter 16, rather, John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus said this, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A lot of portion of verse 13 used to be an enigma to me, a mystery, a puzzle. Until just a couple of days ago. When I see verse 13, I no longer see it from the perspective that the Holy Spirit will personally show me all things about my life that is to come. That's the way I used to preach it, and that's the way I used to teach it. But in light of the end times that are now unfolding, this is what I believe the Holy Spirit Is referring to the events that are to come he will show them to you now how will he show them to us again look at what it says in verse 13 he will guide you into all truth all truth is the Word of God it is in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit will show us things to come When you read Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 17, and also Luke 21, those are the things that the Holy Spirit will show us that which is to come. Why? Because in verse 14, Jesus said that he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Well, what is The things that belong to Jesus, his commands, his word. Now, remember what it says in John chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And then in John chapter 17 and verse 17, he says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Then you look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus is the word of God personified. And every word that Jesus spoke. Is in the scriptures. Everything that is to come is found in the scriptures. I begin to really sit down and, and wrap my head and have and have to learn to unteach myself all the things that were passed down that wasn't of sound doctrine and begin to see what the scriptures is really talking about that we're living in the end times and that we have to pay attention to the things that Jesus said about the end times. And then when we do, the Holy Spirit will show us things to come as it relates to the end times. The end times is one of the most important subjects Especially when things are beginning to shore itself up, let's go through a series of scriptures, and and then we'll we'll proceed. Go to First John chapter two, verses eighteen and nineteen, I'm talking about the coming Antichrist. So let's go to the scriptures where the Antichrist is found, at least in title and in purpose, in. First John, chapter two, and verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. Now, at this point, John must have been in his 90s. Because, again, he received the revelation of Jesus Christ on the Isle of Patmos because he was exiled to Patmos by Domitian because of the gospel. And the Lord Jesus kept John all those years. In fact, up up until this point, all of the disciples, the original 12 apostles of the Lamb were martyred. John is the only one John the Apostle of the Lamb is the only remaining disciple kept by the Lord. And so if John said this at the time in which he's alive in his 90s, presuming, And he said that this is the last hour. Here's the reason why he's able to say that this is the last hour. Because the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. That means if he died in his 90s, at least, at the very least, 15 to 20 years from the time that the temple was destroyed. John, the Apostle of the Lamb, was anticipating the coming of Christ. Even, and even at that, at that time in which he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos by Domitian, Domitian was an antichrist. And perhaps John had reason, based on what he was experiencing, that the coming of the Lord was approaching little children. It is the last hour. And as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, if antichrists showed up then, And they're showing up now. How much more is it the last hour? I used to preach and teach that the Antichrist was anti-anointing. And that's error. It is not anti-anointing. The uh, Greek of the Antichrist, which is found in uh, twice in uh, verse 18, is Antichristos, which means an opponent of the Messiah. An opponent of the Messiah. So this is not talking about an anti-anointing. It is talking about An anti-messiah. Because Christ means Messiah. Anointed one. Acts 1038, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The spirit of God was upon Christ. Because God smeared him with the Holy Spirit. That's what anointing means. It means to smear. How many times have we ever seen in scripture that this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased? We saw that in Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. We also see it in the uh, book of uh, Matthew. When Jesus was transfigured, I believe in the 17th chapter of Matthew, when Jesus was transfigured, the cloud came down and the father said to him, this is my beloved son, hear him. There is no other Messiah. The only Messiah that we know is the Lord Jesus. So when it comes to the Antichrist, it means an opponent of the Messiah or as a subnote, the adversary of the Messiah. Again, the latter portion of verse 18, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, this is what Jesus is speak. i excuse me. John is speaking of. In verse 19, these antichrists that are are now assembled, this is what he's talking about in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. That they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Even today, we have antichrists. It seems like as if they are of us, but they're not. They are adversaries of the Messiah. They are opponents of the Messiah. Go to 2nd John, the second epistle of John. And look at verse 7. Once again John, the apostle of the lamb, speaks of these individuals. In verse seven, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24? He said this in Matthew chapter 24 and and it rings true to even today. He said this in verse 4 in Matthew chapter 24 and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying i am the christ and will deceive many in other words these individuals will be successful sadly you have people that even with a bible open are deceived you have the word of god and sight in your hand and yet you are deceived and that's why people can't understand or read the signs of the times that we're living in. You have a Bible in your hand that tells you of these things, but you reject it. And when I see that people reject it, they're antichrists. Now, is it possible that people can come out of their stupor? It's possible. We do not close the door entirely on them, but when they consistently reject the scriptures and walk away from it, and you can hear it in their teachings and in the way that they're living life, they're deceived. So, back in 2 John, 2nd Epistle, John, uh, Verse 7, the latter portion says, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. In other words, individuals that do not confess that Jesus came in the flesh. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. Does not have God. And that's why 2nd Timothy chapter 4 is important. You must stick with sound doctrine. Stay with the teachings of Christ. And run from false doctrine. Run from the antichrists that are in the world and infiltrated into the church. They're tares among wheat. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to further identify the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice in verse one, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or in or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. Didn't we see that in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4? Now we're seeing Paul give this admonition. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. What is the falling away? Sadly, one person says that this is the catching away of the church and it is not. Because the word away defined in the Greek means defection. When a person turns their back on the Lord and walks away from him because of what Paul said. That the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days, some will depart or defect from the faith, giving heed, giving heed to deceiving spirits. And doctrines of devils. And so we're in the midst where we're watching defection happen on a regular basis. There's a, there's a war in the Methodist church where people are leaving the Methodist church because the base of the Methodist church has the doctrine of inclusion. Which is homosexuality. We see this also with the Presbyterians, the Lutherans. And even with the Baptists, we're seeing this in some Pentecostal places. The defection is in full swing right under us, and if we're not paying attention to this, then it's very easy for us to side in with them, become an antichrist. They're Therefore, you become an opponent, an adversary of the Messiah. So after the defection takes place, which is happening right now, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped So that he sits as God in the temple. So the temple of God must be built. Remember the four things that I described to you that have yet to manifest. The top one, the top one is that the temple has to be built, which means that the dome of the rock must be removed. So this Son of per- perdition, this man of sin is revealed, which is the Antichrist that John spoke of in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And 2 John chapter 1, verse 17, it's the only chapter, verse 17. Confirming Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, and then expounded upon by Paul. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is what we're reading now, verses 1 through 4, this defection is a major end time event. Years ago, we all got wind of a book called The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. And everybody was raving the book, including myself. We were because we were on that false doctrine tant- tantrum. Uh, false doctrine tan- tended, rather in that direction, that course. And so when you don't know what true doctrine is and false doctrine, anybody can bring in a book and it sounds so spiritual. And if you don't really say, well, let's watch, let's wait and see the fruit of this. It's very easy to put an endorsement on it. Everybody got caught up on the purpose driven church and everybody wanted, wanted to be a purpose driven church. But Rick Warren is, is a part of the Southern Baptist denomination. The Southern Baptist denomination, which were entertaining CRT, critical race theory and they voted it down but there were other things that were going on with Rick Warren that he began to endorse and and water down the gospel he began to endorse the muslims and allah you see you got to be careful whenever somebody brings out a great book you need to put it down and sit on it You need to put it down. And that's what I've learned. I mean, took me a while to, to learn that, but I'm giving this information to you now. So that way you won't get so caught up in that book that it leads you astray. And all of a sudden we're seeing strange things happening in the Southern Baptist Church. The defection is in full swing. Make no mistake about it. Go over to 2nd Timothy chapter four. Look at verse one in 2nd Timothy chapter four, verse one. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, They will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be be turned aside to fables. The word the word itching means to scratch. But I like this definition desirous of hearing something pleasant. You know, we always like to hear something pleasant from the pulpit, but all of a sudden when we hear something that isn't pleasant, we turn our ears away from the truth. And we turn to fables or myths. Go to the book of Jude chapter one, the only chapter in fact, verse three, Jude and verse three. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, fight to keep the faith. The faith is not talking about You personally believe in God for something. It's not talking about that at all. It's talking about the devil coming in to take you away from Christ. Fight, contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. How do they creep in unnoticed? They do it by music. And they do it by tickling the ears of the unsuspecting. The ones that are not watching. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. We we, we concentrate so much about the issues of life, but we don't concentrate on keeping Your heart with all diligence to protect your heart with all diligence. We don't talk about that part. We always talk about the life part. We're told to keep our hearts with all diligence, meaning stand guard, stand watch. Make sure that nobody deceives us. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse four, take heed that no man deceives you. They creep in with music. They creep in with desirous words that sounds pleasant. And it disarms you. It causes you to drop your guard. And that's why we tell you that you must maintain a watch, even in trusted places, even in places like this one, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. Now, here, here's the reason why we must keep a watch. We must always Be skeptical. We must always be cautious. We must never let our guard down for one second. They creep in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out. For this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our Lord, of our God into lewdness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They creep in and we sit down and they boast a lot about the word and you sit there and you take it in and then you declare them safe instead of saying, wait a minute. I'm going to sit down and watch this for a little while. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. That's why Paul said what he said in Galatians chapter one and verse eight. If we, if I or anyone or an angel or anyone else come in to preach to you another gospel other than what we have given you, let him be accursed. Don't take my word for it. Go back to the scriptures and search it out. Go back to the scriptures and search it out they always come in they creep in and they talk the language they talk the lingo until they see that you have accepted them and then once they feel comfortable that you've accepted them that's when they spring the false doctrine doctrines of devils deceiving spirits and doctrines or teachings of devils they they see that you're you're gullible. Go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Look at verse 15. The simple believes every word. But the prudent considers well his steps. We all know Another word for this. Anytime that you get on the subway or you get on the bus, you either see a sign or the bus driver says this to you or the conductor says it over the loudspeaker on a train. Watch your step. Watch your step. And we say this even in prevailing word. Watch your step don't believe everything that you hear study the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so go to the book of acts the book of acts chapter 17. uh n- not 17 no that that's Uh, Chapter 20 is where I want to go. Acts chapter 20. and verse 17. Acts 20 verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials, which happened to me by by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to, uh, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance from God, repentance rather toward God, and faith. Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see the sound doctrine right here? Can you see the sound doctrine right here? Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things moved me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, To shepherd the church of God. What it means to shepherd? Well, we take what it says in Psalm 23. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The under shepherd has the rod for a reason. To beat the wolves and the staff to care for the sheep. To shepherd the the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up. In other words, even within your own camp, within your own community, within your own assembly, men will rise up. And what will they do? Speak perverse things. To draw away the disciples after themselves. That's the only purpose. You want people to believe on you and not on the Lord Jesus, which is an antichrist because you are basically swapping the place of Christ. So therefore, you are an opponent of the Messiah. You are an adversary of the Messiah. So Paul admonishes in verse 31, therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day. With tears. Now, I want to clear up about the the uh, um, the uh, thing about T.D. Jakes. He comes from a oneness Pentecostal background, which is modalism, which is spelled M-O-D-A-L-I-S-M. That the Lord Jesus is the manifestation, or is a manifestation of the Father. And the Holy Spirit that oneness doctrine includes a Jesus only doctrine instead of baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 they say you got you must baptize in Jesus name only. Now, the way that we get around that is by saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. But what are you doing? You're pleasing them. You're just placating to them. I won't do that again. Is there error when baptizing in Jesus name? Technically, no. But I will never go out of my way to please anyone's pet doctrine. But when you create a doctrine and you ignore the other teachings of Jesus. That's when you get into first Corinthians chapter one and verse 10, which is sectarianism. And Mark chapter nine and verse 38, which Jesus told his disciples, don't do this. Leave him alone. He's with us. He's not against us. He's not an antichrist. but there's a difference and a distinction between the true gospel and the false gospel reading the events that will lead to the antichrist's appearance. So that's what false doctrine does. It, it it becomes a foundation by which they all come in. It's clearly established in scripture that the antichrist must appear at the beginning of the 70th week, which is the final week, Of Daniel's prophecy which is recorded in Daniel chapter 9 and part of it says that he will confirm a covenant with them for one week which means that he will already have been on the scene before he will confirm a covenant for seven years but things must happen first Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 through 58 is when Paul talks about the rapture 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, starting there, confirms this. And then 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, which we read in part, confirms this also the beginning stages that sets up the platform for the coming of the Antichrist. Once the Antichrist is no longer restrained, he will appear. When he appears, he will make a covenant with the Jews for one week or for seven years. In the middle of the week or the middle of the seven years, which is Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, which speaks of the abomination of desolation, which Jesus got this from Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. When these things come to pass, then Daniel chapter 12 comes to pass, which is the consummation of the age. We must be prepared for the fact that we will not have the answer for everything. But we must also state that when a certain event comes to pass, it will be a significant, undeniable, unmistakable moment that will be confirmed in Scripture and counted as being fulfilled. Now last week there was a pastor that was robbed. robbed of a million dollars of jewelry. And when the article first came out, all of a sudden, as a pastor, you begin to put yourself on a foot and all, oh no, here they come robbing churches now. But there's always a story behind the story. So I begin to look for and search for the story behind the story. And I found out by accident by one commenter, and she said this, that, that that bishop, well, he was arrested and did five years in jail for fraud. I said, hmm, that's interesting. But that's what she said as a comment, and th- but then I, I started looking for the references, the, the, the place. So I looked at the New York Post and it had a story about his past because he was negotiating with Eric Adams, the now mayor of New York City, of getting this man that shot a man on the Q train uh, this year, May of this year. He was negotiating with Eric Adams, the New York City Police Department, to to get him to give give himself uh, uh, up. Nothing wrong in in that of itself, but when you want to build your stature around people of power, you do those sort of things because you want a door in. Now, when these robbers came through into the church, he was live streaming and it was caught on camera and and Larry Reed posted it and then he had to take it down. But other news organizations, they have the actual event. And so when the gunmen came now, usually when a person comes in with a gun, everybody is like saying, ah, everybody. But there was a guy on the side of the stage that when the gunman came to the bishop, he just sat there. I'm like saying, dude, you're not even running. You're not even getting on the floor to hide. Something's, bu- something's, something's up with this. And then, like I said, there is a story behind the story. See, this is how false prophets set themselves up. Last year, there was a congregant who retired, and the only income that she had, she's 56 and retired, was $90,000 in her savings account. And she couldn't buy a house because her credit was bad. And so she looked to the bishop to help her out in getting a house. So she gave him $90,000, her total retirement savings that she was living off of because she wanted the house. Well, according to papers that were filed in court and I've seen the document, this lady is suing this Bishop for that amount because in the document is stated that he took that money and was looking for a house upstate New York, a $4.5 million house. And the bank said, Nope, we don't want to deal. But eventually he found something in Connecticut, $4.5 million house with the money that she gave him. You see, they always come with these kinds of statements. These false prophets, in fact, go to second Peter chapter two. And then we'll then we'll see what what these false statements are. And then we'll close. Second Peter chapter two, beginning at verse one. but there were also false prophets among the people. Where? Among the people. Just what Paul spoke of in Acts chapter 20, that from among you will rise up false prophets, false teachers. They'll rise up not sparing the flock. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on them swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time. Their judgment has not been idle and and their destruction does not slumber. You see, it's all these false preachers, all these false doctrines that are rising up. They're antichrists, and they're all in the body. This is what this is what they use to get the unsuspecting: With health, wealth, prosperity, purpose, dreams, destiny vision, anointing, authority, confession, declare and decree it. It's all false preaching. One of the most difficult things to do is to walk away from false doctrine or a series of doctrines that seem to be right, only to watch it fall before my eyes. True doctrine is accurate 100% of the time, sound doctrine is. False doctrine is wrong 100%. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.